Welcome to the Dietitian's Dish Podcast. We are Gina and Nicole, two dietitian mamas and good friends living in Ohio and Michigan. This is a podcast dedicated to making whole family wellness more fun and less stressful. Whether you're listening in the car or slumped on the couch with a glass of wine, welcome. Hi, everyone. Thanks for joining us. I'm Gina. And I'm Nicole. And today we are dishing about an incredibly entertaining, possibly embarrassing, but yet important topic of constipation. So just a warning, there will be a lot of poop talk today. So if you're eating, I would come back later. But first, (laughs) as always, let's do some catching up. Nicole, what's new? Real quick on the topic of poop. Do you remember Mm -hmm. when we were at Fancy and we got a handout at the expo that was basically like, what does your poop look like? And it was pictures of poop, like the consistency. Do you remember that? Yes. And you had never seen it before. And I was floored. Yeah. I I, only dietitians can get thousands of people together and start looking at pictures of poop Um, (laughs) and then talking about fiber and probiotics and all sorts. But uh, yeah. So, okay. What's going on? Yeah. Okay. July, we are <laughs> like, I need to, my eyes are rolling. You can't see those, but we <laughs> are officially going on a camping slash kayak trip, an adult only at the end oh. of July. I know this is way, way outside our comfort zone. So our friends, um, it's a bunch of hockey couples going and uh, we really don't kayak or camp. Um, and so I was looking into like <laughs> RVs um, and I was <laughs> Dead set on that's cheating. I know. Okay. All right. So we're kind of cheating. And I got a it is a rustic cabin. There is there is electricity, but there is no bathroom. There is no air conditioning. There is no fan. Um, And it's so we're we're doing that. So that's at the end of the month. Uh That sounds like so much fun. I, I think I would love that. Yeah. The friends that are planning it have done this every year. They have the kayak rentals down. They take us whatever, six miles away, drop us off with the rented kayaks. And then we kayak literally to the campground. Like it's super, it sounds super easy. I'm like, I can yeah. do this. I yeah. can do this. Um, But I, I didn't grow up camping. So this is beyond me. And we just yeah. didn't want to buy a tent or worry about like borrowing one we, from somebody and then finding it has a hole one, in actually. it. And oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and, we did. We just bought a six person like luxury tent. Don't ask me why. I, I, yeah. What does We're it mean to have a luxury tent? What okay, I say luxury because Nick, made, he insisted that we buy the one that not only holds six people, which we only have four people in our house, but also has like an extra room, quote unquote. I don't know what that means. We've not used it yet, but yes, I, I just called it luxury because it's freaking huge. <laughs> okay. All right, yeah. well, good. The kids may enjoy that in the backyard or something. That's what we were thinking. We're going to go camping eventually. It's going to happen. It has to. We bought the tent. We have to do it. You guys are way braver with tra- traveling. Um, So <laughs> Mark and I are still. <laughs> I'll report back. Um, okay. <laughs> Hockey is getting ready to start. So the, it's the beginning of the month. I'm not quite sure when that'll all get started. Um, But I right before COVID hit, I was getting ready to start coaching um, or like assistant coaching, helping really um, <laughs> with the girls <laughs> clinic. And I'm hoping to have that opportunity. And this is completely as an aside, but I started missing just like a ton of emails coming in. And I am up to 103,000 plus unread emails in oh my, my gosh. I, I know. <laughs> my father-in-law saw it a couple of weekends ago and he, it, it like sent him into like panic mode. Like, why do you have that number of unread emails? <laughs> so I am making a 
packed with myself every day to unsubscribe from at least yes. two or three emails that I, I just never open because everything just gets shuffled to the bottom. So mm-hmm. um, I just empower you all to do the same because yep. every, I mean, when you've had your email address for so long, it's just everybody has it and just filled with crap. Yeah. I, I, do, I, do the I same almost thing. missed like the biggest loft sale of all times. Though <laughs> so the important ones will stay such as loft. Absolutely. Absolutely. But what's new with you, Gina? Okay. Okay. Let's see a couple of things. Well, the biggest thing is we're recording this a little bit ahead of time. So tomorrow I am getting my braces off. So I am elated just to put that into perspective. I was, I got my braces at the beginning of February and I was only supposed to have them on for three, maybe four months. So it's been February, March, April, May, June. Is that right? I must have gotten them in July because it's been about six months. I had them on like twice as much as long as I was supposed to have them on. Or maybe I shouldn't say twice as much. About two months more than I was supposed to have them on, which honestly has not been that terrible. But I am very excited to get them off, especially because I currently have pink and purple rubber bands (laughs) on them. (laughs) Oops. That Paige was very unimpressed with. Yeah, she cared about it for literally half a second. So that's exciting. Uh, oh, another kind of development in Paige is that I don't know how how your kids are or if you do this, although you're a mom, I'm sure you do. But we tell little white lies to our children all the time. For example, you know, uh, <laughs> they'll ask to go to Mc- this is terrible. Sometimes they ask to go to McDonald's and we'll say, oh, it's closed, you know, like stuff <laughs> like that. <laughs> and now Paige just I, she can just tell when I'm lying. And and I don't know if that's a good thing. It, I don't want her to think that I'm a liar, you know? And maybe she just assumes that I'm lying because she's caught me in a couple fibs. Um, but it's that time where I've pre- I pretty much can't lie to her anymore. And I also can't spell words to Nick anymore. You know, you know how you start, you oh, spell yeah. words that you don't want them to hear. Yeah. She'll just sit there and ruminate and she'll like, oh, you just said park or I don't know, cookie and I'm just really impressed with her spelling abilities, but it's really a, kind of a, a bummer that I can't do that anymore. We don't have our own language anymore. Let's see. Oh, another little update. Well, actually, I'll talk about that another time. I have a, some GERD updates with Paige. Nothing too exciting right now, but I'll, I'll update. Maybe we can do a whole episode on GERD, which is the gastroesophageal reflux disease that Paige has, but I'm not going to go into that right now. I do want to, though, mention, and my mom had told me this. Have you heard this, Nicole? The American Cancer Society now updated their recommendation for alcohol for both men and women, and they now suggest not just one alcoholic beverage for women or two at most, again, at most, not suggesting drink it, but at most, one at most for women, two at most for men. They now say they um, they suggest completely abstaining from alcohol uh, to prevent cancer, mm. which is an update from before. <laughs> which, you know, my fear of cancer. Like I just have this yeah. fear that I'm going to get cancer. And, you know, another reason why I have this fear of cancer, it's not just because it's, it's in my family. It's because I have HPV. I have mm-hmm. been diagnosed with HPV or whatever. Yeah. A long, long time ago. And I, and I know that increases my odds. So I don't know. I saw that and I'm just like, Oh my gosh. Like it just gives me more reason to want to quit drinking. So I did, I actually told Nick that, and I, and I, I told a couple a couple people so they could hold me accountable that I am not going to drink between now and August 1st. Now, Obviously, there is July 4th in the mix. So we'll see what's going on there. We don't really have any plans, truthfully. But that's my that's my goal uh, in light of the American Cancer Society's updates. But I just thought that was interesting. And I, and I wonder... Sad. I know. It is sad. <laughs> I was so excited, you know, when they said, well, 
you know, one a day is fine. And then I, I heard the whole thing about breast cancer and how, you know, actually they say that the more you drink period for breast cancer, the higher your odds. Now they're saying the more you drink period for any cancer, the higher your odds. So anyway, mm. I know it's a bummer. I won't right, be so joining you in a dry July. <laughs> But, um, well, I you're think camping. Great. Yeah, I'm camping. I have yeah, you, I have excuses um, to sideline my health. Uh, <laughs> I just I to me that would not be a realistic. I I would give up fried foods, desserts, um, you name cheese ahead of mm-hmm. alcohol. Gosh, see, I'm the I'm opposite. I could easily give up al- alcohol compared to cheese or desserts. Nope. nope <laughs> yeah. Nope, nope. Okay, so we'll dive into our topic of constipation. But before we begin, just a quick favor to ask if you like this podcast, please write us a review. We really appreciate it. Reviews on iTunes are really everything to us, literally, and they help us reach more people. So, of course, we would really appreciate it very much. And we're going to go ahead and jump into the topic of constipation. And just a just to kind of give you a little bit of a background of the reason why we are bringing this to you now is that summer is the most common time of the year for constipation. I actually didn't really know this, but it kind of makes sense. So generally over the summer, you have an increase in processed foods and meats. Plus it's hot as heck. It was 90 degrees here in Columbus today. More difficult to eat enough or to get enough water or fluids. And so that's generally why in the summer summer months, it tends to be higher, that your constipation um, risk is is higher. Not to say that constipation can't happen in other months too. You know, for many, the inactivity that comes with winter months will exacerbate constipation issues. So it really depends on the person. But generally speaking, the stats show that it goes up as far as visits to the doctor in the summer. So what is constipation? Technically, it is fewer than three for adults or two for kids bowel movements per week. Uh, It could also be stools that are hard, dry, or lumpy, stools that are difficult or painful to pass, or the feeling of not entirely emptying your bowels after a bowel movement. So you've gone to the bathroom, um, you've gone number two, but you and you leave and you just feel like it's not all gone. You still have to go back. Also, you know, going back to the, you know, fewer than three for adults or two for kids, it's very, it's very, it's variable. It really depends on the person. Uh, It's very person specific. So it really depends on what your or your kid's normal is. So for example, I'm not going to, I'll just say, let's just say my normal is two, but my friend's normal is one a week. And, And that can be normal for some people. I actually remember a specific person that I went to school with. Uh, in high school. And I remember her telling me that she only pooped once a week. And I was like, really? But that's, that was her normal. You know, if she went from pooping once a day or twice a day and then was pooping once a week, that's not normal. So constipation is not a disease, but a symptom and is most common in non-Caucasians, women, those who don't get enough fiber, which generally the recommendation is between 25 to 35 grams per day those taking specific medications. And of course, as a lot of you will know, women during pregnancy or after giving birth. And the reason I think more women are constipated during pregnancy is because they're taking more iron. I know your iron goes up significantly when you're pregnant because you're taking it via a supplement. You should be at least. And so that can cause constipation. After giving birth, a lot of times pain medication will trigger constipation. Uh, Also, if you were in labor for 24 hours or however long, you probably didn't eat much during that time or drink much. If you had a C-section, so that would cause constipation because it's not not getting your, working your GI system. 
after a C-section, which is a surgery that can cause constipation, any surgery can kind of mess up your bowels and your, and your, um, your rhythm down there and kind of affect your GI system as a whole and might prevent it from working normally for a while. Some other things would just be, you know, things like stress and irritable bowel syndrome that can cause constipation. Okay. What about the percent of adults who get constipation? So I did some research on this and I found that 16 out of 100 adults will have constipation at any given time. So if you're in a room with 100 people, 100 adults, 16 of those people will be constipated. (laughs) So the next time you're at a party, you just got to figure out which one of those friends of yours is constipated. I couldn't really find a a better statistic, which is kind of strange. Um, There weren't that many statistics on constipation that I could find, but I thought that was interesting that 16 out of 100, which truthfully... I find to be a little low. I was surprised by that, that only 16 out of 100 adults are at any given time would be constipated. I would have guessed it would have been more than that. Anyway. I agree. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, okay. So what about kids? Do they get constipated? Of course they do, which is really what prompted me to want to discuss this topic in general, because last time, last year around this time is when Paige uh, became constipated for really for the first time in her life. And it was, of course, during the summer. Um, So I thought this would be a a good topic to chat about because perhaps some of our listeners are going through the same issue with either themselves or their children. So research suggests that one out of every 20 trips a child makes to the doctor's office is for constipation. And I did do the math and I think that did ring true for us with Paige uh, because we did actually end up bringing her to the the doctor or maybe we even just called or really close with our doctor and just kind of gave her the symptoms of what Paige was having instead of bringing her in. But I think that was probably about the 20th time that we saw or talked to the doctor. But again, I could not find any other great statistics about kids and constipation. Regardless, uh, kids do get constipated for many of the same reasons adults do. But I would say more often than not, the problem for kids is that they hold their bowel movements generally more so than adults. You know, generally as an adult, we don't hold our bowel movements. We we feel a little bit better and um, less shy about going to the bathroom in public, generally speaking, not always. And also, I think for a lot of kids, I know for Paige, They'll be outside playing and really they'll, they, they do this with their pee as well. They'll, they'll hold their pee and their bowel movements because they're just having so much fun mm-hmm. and they don't really understand the harm in uh, holding it. And actually, so last year, you know, Paige was constipated and I think it was because she was holding her, her bowel movements at school. And I kind of explained to her how that's what caused her to have this really painful episode that we'll talk about in a little bit here. And so now she's a little bit obsessed with making sure that she goes to the bathroom right away because she always says she doesn't want her poop to get stuck, which I feel kind of bad that I scared her, but I think it's also good that she's aware. So she was about to go on stage the other day at that she had a recital and she goes, mom, I have to poop. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm sure she had the nervous poops. Okay. (laughs) And I felt so bad because she was like, I don't want it to get stuck. I have to go. And I'm like, listen, Paige, your recital is three minutes long. Do not worry about that. You'll be fine. And you know, she was, she was fine. We couldn't get to a bathroom. There was nothing we could do. So she, she was fine. Okay. So what about the most effective way to prevent constipation for everyone consuming plenty of fiber, which again is about 25 to 35 grams a day. Uh, making sure that you get some type of a mixture of soluble and insoluble. Some examples of supplements include Benefiber or Metamucil. And I like those, especially when you, I don't necessarily recommend the, the supplements. I recommend mixing those powders into water because then that will also help you with your fluid intake, which is also important 
in preventing constipation. So drink plenty of water or other fluids, especially on really hot days or if you're doing a big workout and sweating a lot. So the general goal is eight cups. And I think that's just an easy thing to remember. And it generally rings true for most people that about eight cups is what you need in a day. Eight cups of, of fluid, whether it's water or tea or juice or milk even, uh, or even coffee would, would count as, you know, fluid for the day. Of course, you don't want to get all eight cups in coffee for m- many reasons, um, but that would, that would count towards your, your fluid intake. Also, m- movement is good for constipation. So always making sure that you're moving and exercising. It's kind of a natural bowel stimulator. Uh, and then going back to coffee, just kind of consider some caffeine such as coffee or, or lightly uh, caffeinated tea to get those GI muscles moving. I will tell you for me, exercise and coffee is the miracle cure every single morning. It gets me going. <laughs> also, don't hold in your bowel movements. Like I just said, that's mainly for kids. But I think us as adults sometimes have that issue too, or we might hold our bowel movements for too long. I do have friends still who are who don't like to go to the bathroom in public. And I think to myself, if you have to go number two, then what do you do? And they say, well, I wait till I get home. Even if it's hours away, that can cause constipation or you know blockage and really, really dry, hard stools because as you're not to get graphic, but here we go, as your bowel sits or bowel movement sits in your bowel, your colon, it starts to reabsorb, your body starts to reabsorb that liquid. So the more it sits in there, the more your body is going to reabsorb liquid and then it's going to be harder. And then your bowel is going to be, your bowel movement's going to be harder. Therefore, it's going to be harder to, to get out. That's They're like one good. of the things I remember from school the most is like, that's the main job of the colon or the large intestine is to remove water. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very important job. And, but again, you know, it's also important that your colon absorb some water or that you do things to help your colon absorb water, like eat soluble fiber to help soften your stool so you can actually get rid of it. Your large intestine does help reabsorb the water, but also you need to do things to help it soften your stool by, mm-hmm. you know, things like stool softeners and fiber. If you tend to be more constipated or if you tend to hold your stools, which you shouldn't. Anyway, I think it makes sense. All right. So also FODMAPs. I mean, I, I, I've mentioned FODMAPs and we did a whole episode on FODMAPs as well. A lot of people who have IBS, they go back and forth from diarrhea or constipation. Some people, they're just always constipated. Some people are always have diarrhea. So considering a low FODMAP diet, that was episode 10 if you're interested in learning more about that. So basically FODMAPs can cause gas buildup in your colon, which again, for some people can cause constipation, that excess gas. Excuse me. So if you're interested in a low FODMAP fiber supplement, try Regular Girl, which we'll link in the show notes. And that would be good even if you're not on a low FODMAP diet. It's just a really great supplement, fiber supplement. It also has prebiotics and probiotics, which I think is a good mixture. So it's got the fiber, the probiotic, the prebiotic, everything to kind of help you stay regular. Okay. Lastly, we're going to talk a little bit about treatment. So I've talked about, you know, how do you prevent it? Well, what if you get it or your kids get constipated? So if you're chronically constipated, you're going to first need to get a diagnosis to figure out what is causing the constipation. So they'll probably do an x-ray or a colonoscopy or some type of a blood test to figure out what's going on if you're chronically constipated. And if you're following all those tips that I suggested before, you're not holding it in, you're getting enough fiber, enough fluid, you're moving, all that stuff. Next, let's say, you know, a diagnosis doesn't doesn't show anything wrong, or if you just are, are constipated acutely every once in a while. Just try to increase your fiber intake, uh, which can add bulk to your stool. (laughs) 
That's fun. Or so, so basically the insoluble fiber helps add block, uh, add bulk to your stool, but the soluble fiber will kind of help resorb that water from your body or tissues and soften your stool, kind of like a stool softener. So they both do something different, but keep in mind, you know, so, so when Paige was constipated, she had stool backed up, which again, I'll talk about in, in a little bit here, but she had like a really, really large and painful stool that she just could not get out. So adding a bunch of insoluble fiber in there wouldn't necessarily be beneficial to her. She needed extra soluble fiber to add more liquid to it. Um, you could actually make it worse by eating a lot of insoluble fiber because you're just backing it up even more. It's blocked already. There's adding more fiber to it isn't going to help. It could actually exacerbate the problem. All right. So let's talk about laxatives. So there's stool. So there's several different types of laxatives. There's stool softeners, which soften the stool by drawing in water from the small intestines, thus softening the stool and making it easier to pass. Then there's enemas, which are given rectally. They are a saline solution laxative, which work by increasing water into the intestine osmotically, excuse me, osmotically, pulling it in from the surrounding tissues to soften the stool. So very similar. They're very, they all work very similarly. And then there's oral osmotic laxatives like Miralax, which again, act by pulling water into the colon, softening the tissues. And then there's suppositories, which act locally. So suppositories are also giving, given rectally. And they act locally within about 15 to 60 minutes. And they can either be those osmotic agents with, which pull water in, or they can be stimulant laxatives, which kind of help your muscles contract to get that, that stool out. Or they can be a mixture of both. Do keep in mind though, and this is really important, if you're taking a stimulant laxative, which can be given actually orally or rectally, it should only be short-term because it can actually cause your gut to get lazy. If you're taking it all the time, your gut's going to get used to that extra, you know, medicine acting on it and helping it contract. And then when you stop taking it, it's going to be like, well, no, we're not going to contract. We don't, you didn't give us our medicine to help us. Like they just get lazy basically. So do not take those uh, stimulant laxatives long-term. And if you want to know if your laxative is a stimulant, you can simply look at the box. It will say so on the ingredient. So that's really important to note. So other non-stimulant laxatives like Miralax would be okay to take a longer term as long as, you're, as you talk to your doctor about that. Let's see, what else? You know, it's, it's important to note too that if these over-the-counter and lifestyle methods, over-the-counter meds and lifestyle methods don't work, you may need a prescription and that's okay. And that's something that you'd want to see a gastroenterologist for. All right, so let's do some discussion. Nicole, I, you know, I have heard and I know that, and I believe it's true just based on the two children that I have, that breastfed infants never get constipated. Did your children ever get constipated when they were being fed breast milk? Not at all. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that traditional kind of yellow, seedy, mustard looking poop. Um, mm -hmm. When solids were introduced, um, you know, it, it, I think parents are... It, I, and I kind of did a, a bit of a hybrid approach, especially with sh my oldest. Um, rather than jumping fully into baby led weaning, we did do more purees with Shay, um, kind of starting with the traditional rice cereal, blah, 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 that kind of thing, which yeah. I didn't do so much with Piper. Um, but with Shay, I can remember reading the recommendations of like how much they should be eating. And I mean, Shay at six months was just this butterball. I mean, she was like... <laughs> just the rolliest, cutest thing. And I i mean, she was eating cups. Like, I feel like she was a bottomless pit. And I just remember thinking, okay, like, 
kids can eat intuitively, but I feared constipation at that point. And the bowels change. They for sure change when, when you introduce those foods. Um, but I felt like with her, at least I needed to keep up my breastfeeding to prevent, you know, the displacement of breast food, breast milk for food. Like her preference was like food. And I was, I I feared constipation. So I, we were diligent, I would say about breastfeeding. So it was often that I would breastfeed her immediately prior to offering her any type of food. Yeah. And that's what they recommend to always uh, breastfeed first before you offer food, especially to, I think they around like six months to a year. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. I would say that I was very recent. practicing that even closer to a year. I mean, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it just wrong with that. be sure that we were avoiding the cons. She was an equal opportunity eater, so it was never an <laughs> issue, but yeah, I, I never constipated when yeah. breastfeeding was ex- ex- exclusive. No way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually asked my lactation consultant about this because there was a point once when I had Cameron where I thought he was um, constipated. He had, I actually took a picture and I scrolled back in my phone recently to look at it. (laughs) And it was like what you said, the seedy yellow, but it was extremely dry little pebbles. And I mean, it looked just painful. His butt was a little bit red. It just looked not right. There was no liquid in there whatsoever. And my lactation consultant said, there's no way he's constipated. It's basically impossible for a breastfed baby to get constipated. And she said, you probably have a really high fat uh, milk content. And she said it will eventually get better and normalize. And it did. So that was good. So the reason why I, I think I did a little bit of research on this, breastfed babies don't get constipated is because breast milk tends to be easier to digest. And I think also it's easier kind of going back to what you were saying, not to overfeed breast milk when you're breastfeeding Mm -hmm. because you're really feeding on demand and it's easier to stop the feeding when they pull away than it is to stop a bottle feeding when they pull away. And I say this from experience because I bottle fed Paige, I bottle fed her breast milk, but oftentimes I would kind of want her to finish her bottle. Like, okay, I made this bottle of breast milk for you. Just finish it. Cause I could see it. Whereas with Cameron, when he pulled away, I was like, okay, you're done. You know, I, I was like, okay, it was, I didn't, I couldn't see it. Mm-hmm. So it didn't look like he had anything left. So just much easier for me to just have him stop. So I think another reason why breastfed babies don't get constipated is because we're just better at not, not overfeeding them breast milk. So, um, oh, and so if you're wondering, cause I think this is a, a good I know that I probably, I had this question a lot, especially I can remember with, with Cameron, he would grunt when he pooped and he would get red and what else? He just made noises. And I thought, so I thought that was another reason why I thought he was constipated. And as it turns out that infants, they use their abdomen more to pass stools. So it looks like straining and they don't, they also, they also don't have gravity to help them. So generally as you get older, you're sitting on a toilet. And so you kind of have gravity to kind of help pull the bowel movement down in a way. Whereas babies are generally, you know, pooping on the floor, like laying down with a diaper. So there's a couple of things. So again, they use their abdomen. They don't have the gravity. And, and that's just very, very normal for infants, especially in the early stages um, to do that, to maybe get a little bit red in the face. And they're not, also not used to it. They've never done it before. And they're their body's kind of figuring it all out. So it's very normal for them to make those noises and maybe to get a little bit red in the face. <laughs> so just keep that in mind. <laughs> I know I did not know that. So I was like, what's going on here? 
<laughs> I'm like, okay. I, just, I can remember always like changing a diaper and then just immediately just like, you know, almost like a squish, like a aggressive, like, I don't know, like wet fart. And you're like, yep, that was it. <laughs> I miss those stages. I know, me too. Until, um, until it like, about- goes all the way up the back and all over the car seat. And oh then you're like, and then yeah. they have a onesie on. So then it's in their hair unless you like cut it off of a, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, I don't miss that. That's yeah. for sure. Oh, gosh. Everyone has that horror story to tell. Absolutely. OK, we're going to do it. Who is the most likely to get constipate constipated in your household? Nicole. Shay, my oldest, for sure. Uh, and she also represents my choosiest eater. Uh, yeah. She's the only one we've really struggled with. Um, yeah, constipation with. And I, I will say some some kind of items of note maybe she is my milk drinker uh she mm-hmm. will drink milk at four times the rate of piper so she, and wow. she has to be limited um you know our pediatrician uh is pretty consistent with guidelines in in offering two cups a day of and my girls drink uh fat-free milk um by preference really i mean we have kind of many different milks in the house but they drink fat-free um uh, she drinks less water. Piper is an excellent water drinker. She will drink 12 ounces of water before bed, request a refill in her in her like sippy that keeps is like right next to her pillow. And then she will sleep 12 hours without getting up to pee. It's wow. It's amazing. Um, meanwhile, she can't make it through like a pool session without going five times. So I'm not sure if it's something about like water. I don't know. Uh, but Shay also eats far fewer vegetables uh, and fruits. I, I, ju- I would say just in general, the quality of her diet um, has declined over the years. She has, has just, um, it, quick, funny story. Mark made this like delicious pound cake with like fresh fruit. And he was going to put, we call it whoop cream in our house. It's kind of a joke, um, but whipped cream. He was like, he's going to put real whipped cream on it. And she goes, um, no, I want, I want mommy's, um, banana cake. And I looked at Mark. I said, oh, he looked so sad. I was like, now you know what it's like to be rejected by your daughter. Like, you know, you make something delicious that you know she's going to like. And she's like, I don't want that. I, yes. She is at a complete standstill some nights on not eating a thing. So oh, yeah. I, I I think the inconsistency of her meals often. Um, and I will say we could probably do a better job of um, regulating kind of like the frequency of just have like fried foods and, and more sweets. Those are kind of concentrated on the weekends. And I just have to be mindful of that with Shay that for her, it has to be portion control. She, she will be set off with constipation very easily. So it's not a oh. trying to control what she's eating type of thing because of yeah. the nutrition side of things. But I really, we have reason to believe that Shay will become constipated if, if oh. there's just certain criteria that fall into line. And so, yeah, yeah, she's for sure the one that will get constipated. <laughs> Okay. Piper's yeah, the one who wants me to take pictures of her poop to be sure I show oh whoever, gosh. whatever parent is not present. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, okay. So milk, I, I, I want to say, and this kind of goes back to my, you know, days in um, college, the excess calcium, is that what it is that would cause constipation? Right? I think so. Yeah. So if, if, if your kid is drinking too much milk, it could, it could cause constipation. I'm pretty sure it's because of the calcium. And in her um, instance, at least, it displaces water. So it, yeah. if she was having it in addition to the amount of water that she should drink in a day, I, I think it might 
be okay. Cause I wouldn't say she drinks an excessive amount of milk. If, if I, if she would drink a gallon plus a day if I let her, I mean, if I just, if she had free reign, wow. um, yeah. but she's limited to the two cups a day. So she gets it with breakfast and dinner. So again, we're kind of like spacing it out through the day. But it does count as your fluid. So that, that uh-huh. counts as, as two of her eight cups of fluid a day. Cause it mainly is water. Yeah. But she is not drinking adequate water otherwise. Okay. I don't know. Because it, it will fill her up. Is that what you're saying? And then she oh, will want to yeah. drink. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. It, it, she will sit at or dinner eat. and drink her one cup of milk and she will not even try dinner. I'm like, you're not hungry yeah. then. You're not. It, it's yeah. something that she likes. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I don't know. She's complicated. Yeah. What about in your house? <laughs> yeah. And, and it's funny. I'm doing this, this episode, but really we do not have constipation problems at all in our house. I would say if anything, we have the opposite problem, which I'm not going to go into, but you can <laughs> imagine. Uh, the only time that we've ever experienced constipation is I would say, which we're, we're going to talk about in a second. After my labor, I, I think that's probably everyone has their horror stories post-labor. And also with Paige around this time last year when she was blocked completely. Uh, so other than that, we've I think that we've got some uh, pretty good bacteria in there that keeps us pretty regular. I do follow all those prevention tips um, <laughs> that I listed above. And I think, yeah, we, we just don't deal with constipation around here. Cameron's never been constipated, knock on wood. Not yet. I mean, he's... I feel like he's pooping all the time. So, and he's also, it sounds like a Piper where he's, he's like a fish. I mean, well, not a fish. He'll drink water all day, every day, right until he goes to bed if he could, but we don't let him because he doesn't know how to get up and go to the bathroom by himself yet. <laughs> and he just doesn't do it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. So when did, oh wait, sorry. When you first introduced baby led weaning and food to your kids, did constipation become an issue? No, and I think I kind of already alluded to this, but when solids yeah. were introduced, you know, Shay was kind of, she loved them. Um, so it, with keeping up with the breastfeeding and, and keeping that as you should in the the first year, you know, primary energy source should be either breast milk or formula. Um, abiding by that, no, no issues. I mean, the, the the stools changed, but never a constipation issue. Yeah, yeah, well, that's I exactly. I shouldn't say that. Actually, I maybe yeah. we did have one issue, and I remember the pediatrician. Um, wasn't a real serious issue, but she just recommended. I think it was pear juice, like fresh pear juice. Oh, okay, huh. which I thought was interesting. I think I've heard that before, or prune juice mm-hmm. because prunes like a natural natural laxative, basically. But pear tastes a lot better. Yeah, probably. I actually kind of like, I like, I like prunes. I do. Uh, So yeah, when we started introducing foods, the same thing, we did not have that. I remember any uh, changes in um, their bowel movements. I do remember seeing a lot of large pieces of food in their poops and thinking, is that normal? And it is very normal. They don't chew their food all the way. First of all, that's one reason for that. And I can also remember, like I said before, the recommendation to breastfeed first, since the majority of their nutrients are still from breast milk and formula. And this also helps with constipation because it's extra liquid. So making sure that they get there. So, you know, breast milk and formula are beneficial for not only nutrients, but also keeping them hydrated. Okay. So what are your best tricks for preventing constipation in you and your kids? Oh, man. Um, I would say everything you mentioned and limiting processed foods in some ways, um, kind of mentioned that again. So rather than, um, you know, how I typically, I mean, I eat out on the weekends. That's, that's pretty much the only time I eat out. 
Um, and in addition to alcohol consumption, I mean, just kind of my diet is a bit different on the weekends, but I try and since Jay is my one to likely suffer from constipation, I try and keep that just her days pretty consistent. Um, especially things like vacation, just anything to really shift from her typical diet in a large way. Um, so I would say limiting processed foods, um, or anything kind of outside of the usual high fat, high sugar, um, and portion controlled. So just a cadence that her body is not going to have an adverse reaction to plenty of water and yeah, activity. So, yeah. Yeah. And uh, agreed. So yeah, pushing water movement, always keeping them active, you know, not letting them watch, sit around and watch too much TV if I can, mm-hmm. unless it's raining, which is always rough. Um, but I try to give them yogurt as much as possible. I will say Cameron is like his dad. He does not like yogurt. In fact, I opened a yogurt in the car on our on our vacation and Cameron was like, ew, what is that smell? (laughs) How can you smell that? Really? So he does not like yogurt, at least not yet. We'll see. Uh, He and Piper do have a lot in common. She hates yogurt. Yeah, (laughs) he does eat or drink kombucha. So that's how he gets his probiotics. So that's helpful. He does. He loves that stuff. Uh, of of course, always, you know, the, the general health recommendations, focusing on whole grains when you can, fruits and vegetables, like you said, trying to balance processed foods with more nutrient dense foods. So if we're on vacation, like we were last week, I mean, we ate a lot of processed foods, a lot of crap that was so good. We came back and we're doing a detox of sorts, obviously not really a detox, but I'm trying to keep, you know, lots of fresh, wholesome ingredients on their plates to kind of you know, get them back on track as far as uh, their GI system is concerned. They're basically poop forming foods, right? Fruits, vegetables, whole grains. I also think it's beneficial. I mean, it is true that when you deliver vaginally, you are passing on all of your good micro, um, your bacteria from your gut to your kids. And same with breastfeeding. So that's one of the benefits of, you know, having vaginal delivery and breastfeeding is that you're passing on all that good bacteria to your children. And I, since I have such a, well, of course I've had a lot of issues with IBS, but I think generally speaking, now that I've got my eating um, under control, my bowel, I feel like is very, very healthy. And my immunity is very good. I never get sick. And I think that has to do with my healthy bowel system. I really do. And I feel good knowing that I pass a lot of that on to my kids. And I think that's helped them. And I think also for me, my best constipation prevention is exercise and coffee, period. Mm-hmm. End of story. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I stay active, even when on vacation, because especially during vacations, you tend to have just, you know, obviously a different lifestyle, like you were saying, and eat differently and your whole routine is different. So a lot of people tend to have travel constipation uh, and, you know, having a probiotic is helpful, but also trying to keep you know, your routines at least somewhat consistent while you're on vacation is helpful. So I tried to wake up and run on the beach and just be as active as possible. And of course have my coffee. And I, and I think that helped me. Um, but doing that on a regular basis, I think is helpful uh, for me as well. I'm glad you said that about coffee because that is just such a part of my routine, but I mean, I guess we're we're already talking poop, so I'll just share. Um, (laughs) after I have my coffee in the morning, it is like within 30 minutes, I'm going to the bathroom. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. And this is way TMI. But when I was playing hockey in the morning, it was so early that I would like have to get on the ice late because I would have to like get my poop in before I would play hockey. (laughs) Uh, 
I know. See, I always poop at the same time <laughs> at the same time during the day. And like when we were, oh gosh, I hope no one at work listens to this, but let's just say it always fell like right when I got to work. Okay. Like I, I tried to like push it earlier. It never happened. So coworkers, body- it's not that time. It's not that time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I will say being at home for COVID has been nice because I've been able to do it in the privacy of my own home. Um, but yeah, that was always, I need to, I need to try to figure that one out. Get it a little bit earlier. It's never, it's never happened in my favor. Okay. <laughs> so what, funny. Speaking of, speaking of poop and constipation, last question is what are constipation horror stories you have? Oh my gosh. Um, okay. Personally, I remember struggling more with constipation as a child, kind of having those painful bowel movements. Mm-hmm. I can remember times and I remember very little from my childhood, but I can remember like screaming for my mom to come in the bathroom, rocking back and forth on the toilet Aww. seat. Um, and I probably haven't had any of those issues since I started drinking coffee, but that was many, yeah. many years ago. Uh, after labor, I can remember after shade. Well, I mean, firstly pushing for three hours, you have a much different, um, bowel fear after something like that than after Piper who came flying out. Um, but I had preemptively took Colace uh, the day I delivered so that with Piper because I knew better. And yeah, so therefore no problem. So I think we talked about that in a previous episode, but we right. we said we would both recommend that. Um, mm-hmm. I would say my most recent horror stories, which are much more vivid, include more or less hog tying Shay, laying down some towels um, like all over our first floor, literally hog tying her after probably, I mean, days of her saying, I have to poop, I have to poop, and just sitting on the toilet crying, uh, pushing, red faced. I mean, I just felt so terrible for her, her bum. I mean, she was going, she at one point she wouldn't even get off the toilet because the urge was there so much and nothing thing was coming out. I mean, okay, not to get a little bit graphic, but was there ever like a little bit of liquid that came out? No, it was, it was a little bit of like right at her anus. There would be like a little bit of caked like fecal matter, but it just became very clear to me that she needed help. Like this required intervention. And so again, hogtied her because I, I, there was no other, she would not let me near her bottom. It was so sore after days of that, um, that we did a suppository worked like a charm and this about, Oh my gosh. I mean, nothing like this should ever come out of (laughs) someone, much less someone so small. I mean, there was, I don't think there was any way she would have passed that on her own. I mean, it was, it it bordered on, um, like scary because you could just tell, you know, just like just physically like how is that even possible and so I I felt terrible for her but um that's why a lot of times you know you talked about with Shay or with um Paige you know like kind of instilling that fear but I think it's important that they understand you know our girls are going to be six like they're a little bit older and I think it's important to talk like they can remember those situations so it's not like threatening but it's like helping them understand the importance of like why water is important when you spend all day at the pool or why sometimes we need to break up the donut and, you know, French fry party on the weekends to like eat a vegetable, you know, it's, yeah. I think yeah. it's just helpful for them to understand the why. Yeah. I, I'm really glad. Uh, and then she also, you know, she told me she had to go poop and that she wanted to go quickly so it doesn't get stuck. And I, that, <laughs> that resonated Aww. to me. I'm like, okay, good. She got the message, but she was okay with going through with the recital and waiting and she did and she was fine. So, you know, she saw that even though she held it, she'd be fine. But it's important to know that you can't hold it for that long. I mean, I think before she was holding it for 
hours. Um, so that's my horror story was the first time and only time Paige has ever been constipated. And the first thing I did was call you. I remember you telling me <laughs> oh, yeah, about, I do remember yeah, that. about Shay. I knew it was stuck. I knew that she had a giant bowel movement in there that just could not get out. And she had some liquid that was coming out. And, and I've read that, that when you have like a, a, um, a compacted stool, I think is what it's called. And uh, is that what it's called? Not, not impacted, not, not compacted, impacted mm. stool. And Sometimes like fluid, because you still have fluid up there. Mm -hmm. It will just kind of seep out, even though that this giant stool is stuck. And she was having that. And I could see it in there. Honestly, Nicole, I think I told you this. It was almost like I was her labor coach. That's how I felt. Mm -hmm. You can do it. Come on, Paige. You can do it. So if I, I realized there was just no way it's going to come out. So similar to what you said about Shay. And so you had recommended the suppository. I will say I got her one. I don't think I held it in there long enough because it did not work. And she, mm -hmm. I mean, again, like what you said, it was like, oh, it was, it was tor pure torture. So I got her another one, held it in much longer for about, you know, probably 30 seconds instead of 10 seconds. And it worked like a term. It was a stimulant laxative. And I think that is going to be, when you have a child with an impacted stool, I think the stimulant laxative is really the only thing that will work. Mm -hmm. Aside from if it's that bad, going to see a doctor and having, I don't know what they would do, but they're, it, that probably does happen with some people. Um, but if it's, you know, not too bad, the the stimulant laxative is going to be your best bet. So Dolcalax, Dolcalax is, is a good example of a, of a brand that would, is that's what we use it, at least. So that's one horror story. What are you going to say something? Oh, I was, you know, I think what, I'm glad you said that about the Miralax earlier. Uh, that was something that our pediatrician recommended. And at one point, I would say kind of in the ages of like two to three, Shay was almost on a maintenance dose of Miralax in her milk every morning. I would just yeah. pour maybe a tablespoon in there. It was, I just kind of like eyeballed it, but that was like our prevention plan. Like it, yeah. it wasn't a full dose or anything of the Miralax, but just enough to really help with the kind of water balance in the stool that yeah. it, it, it just kind of <laughs> prevented any major issues. Um, of course we had stopped that that process because I'm kind of one, I don't want to personally take any medication or have my children take any medication that's not needed long term. So we had stopped that. But honestly, if we were to ever, if there were any signs of, that's immediately what I would start is some Miralax mm -hmm. daily um, mm -hmm. in, a, in a small quantity to kind of get her through. So I, I think you even told me that and I started giving Paige that, but it wasn't, it, it was too late at that point. Mm -hmm. So it didn't really do much. Yeah. Okay, so yes, using as prevention. Um, if you think maybe if you're on vacation, bringing it with you. I know guys, Nick is okay. So Nick doesn't drink anymore, and he, this is so funny. He brought on our vacation instead of alcohol, Miral or not Miralax, um, uh, Metamucil, <laughs> and he will put it in a little cup and shake it, and then take it straight to the face, like he's chugging it, like he's chugging a beer. And I'm just like, when I met you, Nick, that was a beer, and now it's Metamucil, and that is hilarious. <laughs> We're getting old. <laughs> That's going to be a okay. great story to tell to your grandchildren someday. <laughs> seriously, seriously. Um, oh, so quickly, my horror story. It's not that much of a horror story, but I will say, and I know I've talked about this on, on the pregnancy or the uh, yeah pregnancy episode and birth. We, I can remember specifically after having Paige, a nurse giving me colace or a stool softener and saying, start taking this. And I was like, no, I'm never constipated. I'll be fine. So I didn't. Next day, I already knew that was a big mistake. So I started taking it right away. I was fine. But do not think that you don't need a stool softener. Even if you're the most regular person ever, you'll need it. Trust me. And if you don't, it's not going to hurt you if you take it. 
Okay, moving on. Favorite <laughs> new products or recipes? I, okay, since our, our last, ep- two episodes ago, our taste yeah. test, our frozen, our ice cream and frozen novelty taste test, I cannot <laughs> get enough of these frozen kind bars. They're so good. They're like crack cocaine. I know. They are I know. so good. They're like freaky good. So that's yeah. it. Um. But I kind of like you pointed out about our frozen novel, like why frozen novelties have the market share that they do, the portion control. So to me, it it is a deck. I mean, to me, it's rich, um, mm-hmm. but it's it's also portion. It's the perfect portion, I would say. Uh, it feels yeah. very indulgent. Um, and yet I would say it it's it's not in many ways, too, especially compared to some of the really rich ice creams we tasted. But I'm yeah, obsessed right. with those. Yeah, they're so delicious. I, I would agree with you. So we tried your zucchini pizza. This is from your cookbook, that healthy everyday mm-hmm. everyday cooking, which I will link to in the show notes because we can't we don't have the recipes online. So you'll have to buy Nicole's cookbook, <laughs> which is amazing. I think I've made probably fifty percent of the items in there. Oh wow! Uh, but anyway, zucchini pizza was a huge hit, and I remember I made it, and I, I think it was Nick. He was like, "Really, we're putting zucchini on pizza?" And I'm like, "Yeah." We are. And it was it was bomb. So we we loved it. And Yay. then your chicken pockets as well, which I loved it for two reasons. First of all, it was delicious. But second, the cleanup was very minimal. I love anything that's made in foil so I can just eat it. We didn't even take it out of the foil, actually. We ate yeah. it out of the foil. Heck so you yeah. have to use plates, although I think we used plates to put the foil on, but they weren't dirty when we were finished. You know, the um the cooking sheet, the baking sheet where we put the uh, the foil uh, pockets didn't get dirty at all. I think I probably had to rinse it or a little bit maybe, but yeah. So minimal cleanup, very, very tasty. Uh, I even had my mom over for that and she loved them. I think she even had two. I think we we might've had like one and then a half or something. I don't know, but they were, they were delicious. So again, I'll put your, um, your cookbook in our show notes. All right. Thanks, let's go Jay. on to a review. Yeah. This is from Rach Skitz. Uh, And it says, a review from a fellow RD. The content is up to date, credible, and delivered in a way that makes it fun to listen to. Highly recommend. These girls are great and entertaining and knowledgeable too. Thank you so much, Rach. I'm I'm assuming that's short for Rachel. I could be wrong. Who knows? All right. So coming up on July 19th, we will be dishing about our 2020 goals. Until then, keep in touch with us on social media at Dietitians Dish Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram and check out all of our episodes and show notes on our website, dietitiansdishpodcast.com. Also, please tell your friends about us. They can find us on numerous outlets such as Overcast, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Pocket Cast. If you listen on iTunes, be sure to leave us a review. We promise it only takes a few seconds. All right, until next time, be well. And Nicole, we'll talk to you soon. Take care, Gina. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening for the podcast. Bye-bye.